and welcome to the Hormones in Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Vivian Allred, naturopathic nutritional therapist and hormone enthusiast. If you want to learn how to rebalance your female hormones, regulate your menstrual cycle and reclaim your vitality, then you are in the right place. Each week, I will be delving into different conditions such as PCOS, endometriosis, infertility, hypothyroidism, acne and hair loss. Stay tuned for interviews with expert guests, Q&As and solo episodes that are all intended to help you move from hormonal chaos to hormonal harmony. If you'd like to submit a question for me to answer on the podcast, then you can email them to hormonesinharmony at gmail.com. The information shared on this podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not designed to replace the advice of your health practitioner. That said, let's get into today's episode. Hello, welcome back to the podcast and today I'm joined by Sarah Kozinovsky who is also known as the Organic Dietitian on Instagram and her website. So this episode we dive deep into gut health, how poor gut health can affect other systems in the body including your thyroid, adrenal and hormonal health, common causes of dysfunction and poor gut health, the importance of functional lab testing to identify and address the root causes of your symptoms and how this can differ from the conventional labs that you might have access to and also things like mineral imbalances and heavy metal toxicity how some of these things may be preventing your healing and progress in terms of recovery from health conditions so if you're not aware of Sarah already Sarah Kozinovsky is a registered dietitian and functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner She suffered with hormonal and digestive symptoms for years with little recommendations for relief, so similar to myself, and we'd get into Sarah's story during the beginning of this podcast. Being in the wellness field, she knew that there had to be more going on and she was determined to find a solution. And I think you can tell that with the passion and the knowledge that she holds, it's just so valuable and you can tell she's been through a lot and that's kind of inspiring her work. Um, with her clients these days. She started studying functional medicine, nutritional therapy and through functional lab work, nutrition and lifestyle changes she was able to find long-term answers to her personal symptoms and now she helps busy women dig to the root causes of their health issues using proper testing, science-backed education and lots of support and she inspires women to take back their health gain the energy and vitality once again. So this episode was really good. I love Sarah's work and again if you're not following her on Instagram she does some amazing infographics. She runs through different functional lab test results from some of her clients obviously anonymous but she'll show you and break down what's covered in the Dutch test or symptoms that may be appearing from an infection in the gut. She'll run through someone's GI map, which I love as well. The common tests that I use in clinical practice too. I really think you're going to enjoy this episode. Sarah's really great. I'd recommend pretty much with all episodes to grab a pen and paper if you can, take some notes or keep this one saved and keep going back to it because it's packed full of useful information. Hi Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Yes, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm looking forward to diving into some of the areas like thyroid health, gut health today. And for those who maybe aren't following following you on Instagram currently, I definitely recommend that they do because you're always sharing so much valuable information. But could you just give us a brief introduction to who you are, what you do, and how you got into this area? 
Yeah, so um, I'm a registered dietitian by trade. Uh, I've been one um, for, gosh, almost 15, a little over 15 years. Um, you know, initially conventionally trained and, you know, halfway through my career really kind of decided that what I had been taught was not 100% accurate and 100% up to date. And um, as I started really becoming more interested in functional nutrition, functional medicine, you know, holistic side of things, really started to fascinate me. And I found out very early on that that was a huge passion of mine. And after learning a lot more and kind of educating myself, I actually realized that I had more symptoms and more health issues than I thought I did. You know, I thought I was the healthiest person I knew because, you know, as a dietitian, I ate well, you know, I exercised, all of that stuff. But as a teenager, kind of my first symptom really was acne. You know, as soon as I hit puberty, the acne was out of control. I mean, I just remember it really affecting my life, affecting my confidence, affecting, you know, my ability to look at people in the, straight in the, in the eye. Um, so my initial fix for that, quote unquote, was going on birth control pills. And I did that as a teenager, um, you know, initially for the acne. <clears throat> And it, you know, obviously ended up probably masking a lot of hormonal issues that I had. So was ending up being on birth control for probably over 15 years. So, you know, kind of always thought, oh, my, my hormones are fine. My period's fine. But it was because of the pill, right? It wasn't my own. So I probably definitely had a lot of hormonal issues um, and then ended up developing a lot of digestive issues as well you know, would be, get really painful after I ate, you know, had, had some trouble with bloating, had a little more constipation. Um, so those were kind of my initial symptoms. And at first, you know, I went to my conventional doctor who really had nothing to offer, um, didn't even, you know, test my hormones, basically was like, oh, you're on birth control, that's good enough kind of thing. Well, after learning more about the pill, I wanted to go off of it. And so I asked her about it and she looked at me literally like I was an alien. Like, <laughs> like why would you want to do that? Um, she actually ended up diagnosing me with a fibroid. Um, and the more I learned about it, the more I was like, well, I think that's probably why I got the fibroid was being on the pill. And she's like, oh no, you know, studies show that being on the pill is how we treat a fibroid. And I was like, well, that makes no sense because I've been on it for 15 years and I still got a fibroid. So, you know, who knows about that? Um, through the, um, through the ultrasound that I got to diagnose me with the fibroid, on the report, it actually said like possible PCOS. And that was the first time I had ever seen that. Like the doctor never even mentioned it to me. After I saw, I had to read it on the report. And um, that's not actually something I talk about a whole lot because to this day, I still don't really know if I truly had PCOS or not. I mean, definitely could have been part of it. But, you know, being in the more holistic mindset at that time, I tried to seek out you know, better options. I went to a holistic nurse practitioner who really offered no natural solutions, who basically, you know, was like, oh, well, I can send you to, you know, an OBGYN that can cut off the blood supply to your fibroid, you know, kind of thing. And I was like, well, I think there's more to it than that. And then even tried a naturopath and, you know, just didn't really feel like they were getting to the root cause. You know, I ended up having to ask my naturopath for a stool test. And, you know, it wasn't offered and, you know, even then it wasn't really helping. So I was like, you know what, forget this. I need to do this on my own. So I actually found the FDN program, which is functional diagnostic nutrition um, you know, program and decided I really needed to take control of my own health. 
So through that program, I just really learned a lot more about just the body as a whole and how connected it is and how addressing the gut and stress and diet and lifestyle and all of that is really helpful and started learning a lot more about functional lab work and ended up doing a couple of stool tests until I came across the GI mat, which is what I do now. And I know you do that one and love that one too. And found out that I actually had a parasite. I had a couple parasites, like three parasites. I had a worm and I had really bad dysbiosis. Like my beta glucuronidase was over 5,000. Um, so I knew there was more to it than that. Um, and, you know, through healing my gut, really managing stress, looking at, you know, diet again, looking at lifestyle, you know, all of those things, I finally actually started to feel better. And so then I was like, you know what? I need to help other women do this too, because, you know, even sometimes natural routes I find aren't always addressing the body as a whole and not really digging deep enough. And so through doing that, you know, my acne, my skin is clearer than it's ever been. My hormones are more balanced than they ever have been. You know, I don't deal with digestive issues like I did before. So that's really what I, I like to help other women, you know, find their solution to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that passion kind of really shows the fact that you've been through that, it makes you relate more to the clients that you're working with. Yeah, I think that's really important. And how would you say that your um, nutrition philosophy has changed since, since what you learned in school? How does that differ from what you learned in, um, when you were training to become a dietitian? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely taken a complete turn. I mean, you know, conventionally we're taught, you know, that certain fats are not good and to, you know, eat a lot of whole grains and, you know, that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I focused a lot more on just the real food aspect, you know, eating balanced for blood sugars, you know, the importance of healthy fats, the importance of, you know, organic uh, quality proteins, you know, and good sources of carbs. And, you know, for some people that means, you know, avoiding some of those grains, um, especially initially that can be more inflammatory um, and, and, you know, just really avoiding the processed foods, looking at the labels and looking for things that are, um, you know, sound like food versus, you know, chemicals, even if it looks good, like as far as calories and fat. And like, I don't pay attention to a lot of that anymore. I don't really read nutrition labels more so, you know, the, the ingredient list. Um, and not necessarily following, you know, you know, specific diets, really trying to find out what works best for, you know, the individual and how they feel their best. And, you know, being a little bit more customized in that area and just how you eat really impacts your overall health and just, you know, inflammation and, um, you know, just looking for things that are closer to nature. Um, so it's been, been quite, quite a different, um, you know, case than, you know, what I kind of initially learned in school. Yeah. And everyone's got different sensitivities. They have different health issues, which require maybe more or less of a certain macronutrient depending on what's going on. But yeah, I agree. Just eat real food. If it was something that you can grow in the ground, kill, catch, pick from a tree, then it's pretty good for you rather than being created by a scientist in a lab. Right. <laughs> it's a little and, bit of difference. Yeah. yeah. And just even just the organic part of it too, you know, um, and just there's a big difference between like conventionally raised animals and organically, you know, pasture raised animals. So exactly. And you mentioned about blood sugar balance. Could you just expand on how someone would go about balancing the blood sugar and maybe signs that they're struggling in this area currently? 
Yeah, you know, I, de I de definitely find that women uh, in particular seem to to be struggling with blood triggers. And, you know, I always say, because I you know my husband, like he could go a whole day without eating and be pretty much okay, you know, but I skip a meal and I start to get hangry. <laughs> you know, I start to get shaky. I start to get more irritable. You know, maybe you start to get more tired. Those kinds of things can be symptoms that blood triggers are dropping. And when they drop, you know, cortisol has to kick in to help bring blood sugars back up. And that just adds a lot more stress to the body. And, you know, cortisol being out of balance can impact everything else. It can impact the thyroid. It can impact, you know, the gut. It can impact your hormones. And so really the basic tools that I tell clients to do is kind of fill half of your plate with more non-starchy veggies, you know, get, you know, good plants in and, and make sure that you're including a good quality protein and healthy fat with all of those carbs and then adding in starchy carbs you know, onto that, which can fluctuate based on like activity level and just specific needs. So the proteins and the fats really help to balance the blood triggers versus just sitting down and having, you know, that big plate of pasta, um, or even just having some fruit for some women, even though fruit is, you know, still considered good and nutrient dense, still can have more sugar in it and can increase blood triggers for certain women. And so making sure you're getting proteins and fats with that to help kind of slowly release that trigger into the bloodstream to keep things more balanced versus just a big spike. Mm. So this is, yeah, really important for women with PCOS in particular because of that insulin connection. Um, when blood sugar spikes, your insulin needs to spike to kind of clear that from the bloodstream. So yeah, if you've got PCOS, then more than likely dealing with some sort of insulin blood sugar regulation issue and mm -hmm. um, you mentioned about thyroid health so i want to kind of go into thyroid a little bit deeper what is the thyroid what does it do for us and maybe what are some things that can throw that out of whack yeah so the thyroid is essentially a gland you know that you can find kind of in your neck it's really um, a master of metabolic function throughout the entire body so it's really controlling you know metabolism at a cellular level. I think most people kind of know what they think of when they think of metabolism. And, um, you know, it can have influence on so many things, you know, body temperature, your bone health, blood triggers, you know, your hormones, nutrient absorption, even digestion, um, you know, liver function and detoxification, how we age, cholesterol levels, fat metabolism. So, you know, it really does a lot. Pretty much everything. <laughs> And everything yeah i mean thyroid hormone the free your free t3 really impacts almost every cell in the body um sadly that's not commonly tested is it so when you may have gone to your doctor to request some investigation into your thyroid um they commonly said that it's normal it's within range nothing to worry about what's the issue there what's going on yeah, so most of the time, conventional medicine is only checking your TSH, which is your thyroid stimulating hormone, and that's not even made in the thyroid gland. It's made in the pituitary gland in your brain. It's how your brain talks to and communicates with your thyroid to tell it to make hormones. So oftentimes, that can be normal or quote-unquote normal, um, but other, other hormones can be thrown out of whack. Um, but the other problem is that, you know, in the conventional medicine world, the range of what's considered normal is really big, you know, and it's who knows what's truly normal. It's like the lab, you can go to different labs and their normal ranges are completely different because they're basing it on all the information they have from all of the tests that they've done. Mm 
And this is definitely something I see a lot too. I see low TSH quite often. You know, I typically don't like to see it below like a 1.4 and you know, that can kind of vary a little bit. And I also don't like to usually see it too much above a two. So I could have someone coming to me with a TSH of three and their doctor said that it's normal, but that in, in more of a functional perspective isn't necessarily the case. But you also want to make sure you're looking at all the other hormones into play. And, you know, honestly, sometimes certain functional practitioners too, I, I still sometimes find them telling people that their thyroid looks okay. But then when I look at the labs, I'm just like, mm, you know, I don't know. I think there's a little sluggishness happening. Um, but we also want to look at patterns too. Cause I have, I mean, I've had clients who it's like a year ago, their TSH was normal and now it's, you know, a three and their doctor says, Oh, it's okay. I'm like, but it's trending up. So let's do something now, you know, to prevent it from maybe getting completely out of control in the future as well. Exactly. They just wait until something happens. So then they can give you a diagnosis. They can give you a medication, but why not intervene and be proactive instead of reactive? I think that's happens a lot of the time with different things like blood pressure blood sugar it's not until you're pre-diabetic or full-blown type 2 diabetes that they will intervene and then only then um, the medication isn't even that effective and they still don't mention diet lifestyle all the foundations right and it's kind of crazy too because sometimes people will say like oh my tsh even my doctor said my tsh is a little high but they just said we're just gonna watch it and i'm like watch for what (laughs) like if you're not how can you expect a different result if you do nothing and that's what they do they do nothing and say oh we're gonna see if it gets worse it's not gonna get better on its own you know without any changing yeah yeah and insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result so these doctors are insane (laughs) and yeah i mean i get it it's how they're trained we can't necessarily blame them in, in, you know, entirety, but I was conventionally trained and I, you know, did the work to learn more because I, you know, felt like there was more going on than what I had initially been taught. So it's just, I think it's somewhat being open-minded. Hmm. Yeah. I think it's going that way as well. There's more um, practitioners being trained in functional medicine and starting to look at some of the more recent research because what they're taught is like, is it 15, 17 years old? So all of this new research is not going to be in their hands for um, the foreseeable future, which is a real shame, but there are certainly things that they can do um, to start to implement some of these nutrition training because what they get in school is probably a few hours, if not a few days of nutrition, and that's just not enough. Yep. And what are the connections between the thyroid and the gut? How does gut health play into um, thyroid dysfunction? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, the gut really houses over 70% of our immune system. And if the immune system gets provoked by leaky gut, which I think kind of most people kind of know what that is, then that can trigger autoimmune issues, including in the thyroid, you know, whether you develop Hashimoto's or whether you develop Graves or, you know, something like that. Um, And just dysbiosis or an imbalance of bacteria in the gut can impair your thyroid hormone to be able to convert properly. Um, And just inflammation in the gut, which can happen, you know, with certain foods and with, you know, certain pathogens 
can increase cortisol, which is the stress hormone that the adrenals make, and that can actually lower your free T3, which is your active thyroid hormone, and also increasing your reverse T3. So reverse T3, basically, it's taking your active thyroid hormone and literally reversing it and making it inactive. So the free T3 is the thyroid hormone that goes around and impacts every other you know, cell of the body. So that one in particular can be one of the most important ones, and cortisol can actually lower it. Um, and the thought, you know, the, the decreased thyroid function in general can also decrease, you know, motility or transit time and can trigger constipation. And if you have constipation, that can send a whole cascade of other symptoms and other issues like hormonal imbalances, because now you're not able to poop out extra estrogen. You're not able to ex eliminate extra toxins. Um, you know, it can trigger constipation, can trigger things like SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, which is like, then you've got a whole host of other things going on. Constipation, you know, it, it, it's also just not really pleasant. And, and, and um, you know, so it's just, it's all connected. Hmm. You're just kind of recirculating your natural kind of toxins that you produce naturally and things that you're exposed to in your food or the environment, they just can't get out. And it's known as it's auto-intoxication, where you're basically just polluted with your own um, toxic byproducts, which sounds yeah. pretty terrible, but it's true and it's very common. How common do you see gut issues being a problem? Very, very common. <laughs> I mean, I think even those clients who initially come to me not thinking they have digestive issues, um, who don't complain of like constipation, diarrhea, bloating, gas, reflux, like anything like that, who are like, oh no, my, you know, my digestion is really good. You know, I just have all these other things going on. You know, well, I, you never want to leave the gut unchecked. And I know I saw you posted something on this the other day about someone who had no symptoms, but you posted their GI map and they actually had a lot of things, right? Like one of the worst tests that I'd ever seen. Like 25% of people with digestive issues don't necessarily have specific digestive symptoms. I mean, thyroid issues, hormonal imbalances, acne, those things can be symptoms of digestive issues. So it's not always just, you know, the diarrhea, constipation, things like that. Um, and, but some people I think don't also realize when they have digestive issues. I mean, I feel like I went for years without really acknowledging it or really noticing it because I'm like, oh, well, I'm just getting a little bit of pain every time I eat. Oh, maybe I just ate something bad. Or, um, some people just think they have a sensitive stomach or like, I've always been constipated. My doctor tells me if it's always been happening, then it's normal. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's not always the case either. Um, so it's, you know, it, it can't be overlooked and I see it overlooked all the time. I never, ever will work with anyone who isn't willing to do a stool test because we could work on everything else and spend a bunch of time, energy, money, you know, doing other tests and working on other things. But if your gut isn't addressed, you're probably not going to notice a whole lot of changes in those other areas. So it definitely, and it, you know, it, it's, it's something that we can't overlook for sure yeah and it's a bit expensive up front obviously these functional medicine tests but you will save time energy stress money in the long run just not trial and error with certain things and trying supplements out and yeah. taking time with changes of diet it's better to just find out what's going on address the gut infections or imbalances in the gut and then kind of move on what's the difference between conventional stool testing so if they've ever had a stool test from the doctor and they've said that it's fine why yeah. is that why is that different 
Yeah. You know, there's definitely a lot of stool tests out there. Um, and, you know, I think with the importance people have are putting a lot of importance on gut health that, you know, some labs are maybe kind of somewhat jumping on the bandwagon and it's like they're, oh, I have to, you know, get in on this too. But I definitely find they're not all created equal. Um, convention, if you go to a conventional doctor and say, hey, I want a GI map, they will have no clue what you're doing. <laughs> Um, and they'll probably just do a regular stool test <clears throat> if they will actually do it. Uh, I also find that they don't necessarily uh, even, you know, go that route, but maybe they're checking for a couple of parasites. Maybe they're looking for H. pylori. Um, that sometimes C. diff, depending, especially if someone has diarrhea, but typically that's it. They're not looking much deeper than that. Um, and even some of the more functional labs, cause I did like three stool tests before I did the GI map and the GI map was the only one that found my parasites and my worm. Um, and also was the only one that actually said that my, my beta glucuronidase was that high. So most tests, you know, you, you, you poop in the cup, you send it into the lab and then there's somebody in the lab who takes your sample and looks at it under a microscope. And they're like looking for something, but that could literally be like looking for a needle in a haystack because you're giving them like what an inch of sample and you have like 20 feet, 20 plus feet of intestines. And you're not always going to eliminate the same thing every time you go. And also sometimes things can change, you know, like parasites have life cycles. So, you know, you may be catching it at a time where it's maybe not as, as problematic. And I don't know if you've noticed this too, but sometimes in the summer months or in the warmer months, you know, certain things are more prone to grow, you know, sometimes versus, you know, in the winter months too. So I think that there's, you know, a bit of a life cycle there. Um, or what they could also do is take the sample and put it in, swab it in a Petri dish and then try to grow bacteria. But most of the bacteria in your gut doesn't like oxygen. So as soon as you poop it out, you're exposing it to oxygen and a lot of that bacteria dies. So you cannot grow things in a Petri dish that aren't alive. So there tends to be a lot of, um, you know, kind of, you know, factors to consider there. But the nice thing about the GI map is that it's a DNA based stool test. And so it's looking for the DNA of bacteria and pathogens in the gut. So it doesn't necessarily have to physically see something in there or grow something to, you know, to know it's there. Yeah. So it makes a really, really big difference. I mean, I wasted tons of money on other stool tests that didn't really do a whole lot for me. So honestly, it's like, just, if you're going to do it, if you're going to do it, do it right. Yeah. And the, the experience of doing the test isn't pleasant. So definitely try and get the best test that you can while you're doing that. Yeah. Definitely. Well, I always say at least it's your own poop. <laughs> it's not <laughs> your, your sample in somebody else's. That but, is true. Yeah, it gives you so much information. And I think for a lot of clients, and I you probably experience this too, they're just so grateful to actually physically see that there's something going on. That yeah. Can be explaining their symptoms mm -hmm. versus hmm, based on your symptoms, I think you have a parasite, I think you have candida. So here's some supplements to take. And even if they feel better, or maybe they don't feel better, you know, if you don't do an initial test then how do you for sure know that everything is gone? It's, I think it's nice for us to be able to physically see the changes happening. I think it just can make people feel so much better. And your mind is so huge when it comes to healing. I think sometimes if your mind thinks there's still issues, like you can still have symptoms. Because honestly, what I have seen is someone who does an initial stool test, who sees you know, a good amount of things going on, who does a protocol, who maybe says, mm, I feel a little better, but you know, I'm still having 
doing this and this. And then we do a retest and we actually see a lot of things are improving. They almost like just have this peace of mind or they can kind of relax a little bit because they're like, oh, okay, well then this is really working. And honestly, sometimes that can also just like, you know, help some of their symptoms because psychologically they can see the difference too. And then they can really start to feel it sometimes because there's that big, you know, mind body connection too. Absolutely. Some people just need those results on paper to back you up. They do believe you, but they just need that motivation and drive to actually make a change. I agree with that. Um, And let's talk a bit more about the mindset and healing and gut health. So what else do you see being a factor? Do you sometimes see that stress and negative thought patterns and beliefs, can they cause health issues? A million percent, a million percent. And sometimes that's the biggest factor for a lot of people. And sometimes that can be the biggest downside for them feeling better as quickly as they want to. And, you know, I always tell clients, it's like, I, you know, you can take all the supplements in the world, you can change your diet, you can exercise, you can try to sleep better, all these things, but working on your stress and your mindset, if you don't do that, you know, you're probably not going to feel as good as you want to feel as soon as you want to feel it. And it's easy to take a supplement. It's easy to do all these things, but it's a challenge and it's harder to work on your stress and your mindset. Um, And that definitely takes getting out of the comfort zone, you know, probably more than anything else. And for some women, I've seen it be a big block because they're kind of afraid to work on those emotions. They've buried them for so long and it's painful. So they don't want to bring them up and deal with them because they don't want to have to go through that pain. But it's uh, oftentimes a necessary path that we have to go down in order to achieve our results. And there's that fear. There's always that fear, right? Um, And, you know, working on, you know, filling your emotional voids that maybe you've had throughout your life. And, you know, sometimes even women, I find they don't feel like they deserve like to work on their health too. I've kind of noticed that a lot lately and had clients, you know, talking about it and they're like, I just don't feel like I deserve it. And they're like, wow, I can't believe I just said that. You're like, because they didn't even think it was really an issue because as women, I think we put ourselves last oftentimes, you know, because we're moms and, you know, we're wives and, you know, we're maybe business women We're you know, we're helping to serve other people and we, you know, put ourselves last. And then it's like, all of a sudden we wake up and we're just realizing how crappy we feel because we've given, 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 and, you know, we have not a lot left to give and we don't necessarily feel deserving of wanting to work on ourselves or it's like, oh, I don't want to spend money on myself or time on myself because they are afraid that that's going to negatively impact those around them. But that is like the best way to invest in, you know, the people around you is to, for you to feel better because you're going to be able to take care of other people or help other people so much more efficiently if you're feeling really good. So um, it has been a really big factor for so many. And the more I talk to clients, the more I talk to women, we dig deep. I realize that all of them tend to have a lot of those mindset blocks. Yeah, we've all got our own baggage and history and problems. So um yeah it's usually the last thing that people think of in the health journey um it was for me personally as well i was doing all the right things in terms of diet taking all the supplements but there was still something kind of blocking my progress and healing and it wasn't until i dived deep into the emotional and spiritual aspects of health that things really um, made a massive shift so what are some of your favorite tools 
to recommend to women um, to start with that? Is it therapy or other things like that? Yeah, I mean, some people could benefit from therapy. I mean, I think, I don't think that that's necessarily a requirement. Um, I think even just like things like journaling, things like meditating, um, emotional freedom technique, which is also tapping can be really good. Um, you know, just really trying to even like close your eyes and picture like yourself as a kid. And like, if there was a time where you maybe felt like you weren't loved as much as you should have been, or you weren't appreciated, or you, you know, maybe your parents put a lot of pressure on you, or oftentimes too, I find that there's situations that happen where the the kid kind of feels like the parent. And, you know, it's whatever's going on with the parent, whether, you know, they have an, you know, a substance abuse issue or just, you know, they're dealing with their own mental stuff. It's like the, the kid becomes the parent. And then again, they're kind of taking care of um, the adult and um, it can definitely affect us really hugely as we get older. So even if you can kind of just close your eyes and picture yourself as that kid and kind of go back to those situations and tell yourself everything that you wish you would have been told by your parents. And, you know, for, I think a lot of the parents out there, we don't always realize that we're doing it. You know, a lot of them have really great intentions and think they're doing a really good job, but it's all we're learning. We teach, right? So the parents teach the kids. And then when the kids gets older and they have kids, now they're teaching the same thing without even really realizing it. So it's kind of programming, reprogramming your subconscious a little bit and going back and giving yourself what you need. So even if you can just start with that, um, you know, some, not everyone necessarily feels like they can afford therapy or, you know, necessarily gets benefit from it. Cause sometimes you can only go once a month, you know, or maybe once a quarter. And for a lot of people that may not necessarily be enough. So I find it's really helpful to try to do something every day to kind of help with that. Even if you just spend five to 10 minutes you know, working on the mindset piece, or maybe you go on and you do, you know, meditations that you find on online for free, you know, and um, uh, really just starting to work on that and kind of showing up for yourself every day, you know, in that, in that area. And it takes practice to change your mindset, right? Just like we learn anything. It took us years, you know, to learn how to help people in this, in this way. So it's not necessarily something that you're going to do overnight, but it's something that you really have to practice long-term and then hopefully kind of start to see little shifts. I love that recommendation of it's like free, easy, simple. Everyone can do it. Everyone has access to it. Going back and talking to your younger self. I really love that one because I think we would all love to be able to go to therapy every week and talk to a professional, but it's just not available to everyone and we can't all afford to do that. We don't have that luxury in life. So yeah, I love that simple recommendation. Yeah, the free apps, Headspace, Calm, Insight Timer, there's tons of things. But again, it needs to be a consistent daily thing because your mind's a muscle and just like you go to the gym, you need to work it every single day to see changes. And there's a big connection between childhood stress and trauma in particular with digestive issues so IBS things like that Um, if someone's been bullied or they can get like the sensitive nervous stomach what's the link there between stress and the gut how does it impact the gut yeah I mean you're just kind of like how cortisol can impact the thyroid cortisol can definitely impact the gut so cortisol when it's high especially for a long period of time it's catabolic 
So it breaks down muscle tissue and your digestive system is a big muscle, especially the lining of the gut has a lot of protein in there. So high cortisol can start to break down that protein and can trigger leaky gut. Um, and we have this big vagus nerve that runs from the brain to the gut. So they're constantly communicating with each other. Just like if you get nervous, you know, we end up getting diarrhea oftentimes because, you know, uh, you're, you're getting that, that, that connection. So sometimes if we're not, if we're more tense, if we're more stressed, you know, that muscle in the digestive tract too kind of tenses up and can also contribute to things like constipation. So really trying to tap into more of that rest and digest that parasympathetic nervous system, you know, to help lower cortisol is definitely, you know, part of how we can help support a good gut. And are there any other ways or any tips and tricks that people can start to implement straight away to improve their gut health? Um, you know, I think always working on stress is always kind of number one, because um, that tends to be the hardest and the longest for people to address. So I usually say sit down and kind of try to figure out where you feel like your bigger stressors come from. And because I think first thing you need to do is acknowledge that there are stressors, because I do have people who it's like, oh, well, I'm not really stressed you know, I don't feel stressed. I have a great life, like all this stuff. But I'm like, I feel like unless you live on a deserted island and you're independently wealthy and really have no care in the world, like you probably have forms of stress just because our modern day society is, is like that. Um, I mean, if you're still eating processed foods, you know, definitely kind of work on cutting those out or at least swapping those out for good, healthy options, you know, making sure you're getting more fiber, making sure you're hydrating. Um, you know, those are kind of first and foremost things that you can do outside of, you know, going to work with someone that's going to be able to do some functional tests. Because mm, we hear about all of these supplements and probiotics and gut healing powders. But if you're not mindful eating, if you're not managing stress, if you're not drinking enough water, then they're not going to be effective, are they? Yeah. Uh, and you can end up wasting a lot of money. And I mean, certain probiotics are actually detrimental for certain people. You know, we it's not as simple. I think a lot of people are like, oh, well, can't I just fix my gut with taking probiotics? And unfortunately, that's not really the case. That's just a small portion. But for some people, taking certain strains actually makes things worse. So, you know, you don't want to do more harm than good by trying to do kind of some of that on your own. I mean, if nothing else, get it through food first, you know, add in some, you know, raw sauerkraut or something if you feel like you tolerate that. And especially if you don't tolerate those types of foods, that's another kind of red flag that there's probably something deeper going on. Mm -hmm. I've experienced that personally, like at the start of my health journey, having all the probiotics, all the fermented foods, not knowing that I had a major histamine sensitivity. So I was pushing through, having more, thinking it was a detox reaction or healing crisis, but I was inflamed. My skin was terrible. My anxiety was through the roof. So I agree that not everyone needs a probiotic. And yeah, if you are negative react, negatively reacting, it could be due to something like SIBO, maybe small intestine bacterial overgrowth, if you're getting that bloatedness, or if you're getting all the negative reaction, it could be due to just a sensitivity. Yeah, for sure. And um, let's talk a bit more about the heavy metals and mineral testing that you do. So how does that play into all of this? And why do you feel like that's important? Yeah, so it's been really fascinating. I've kind of recently added it in, into my practice over the just even the last six, eight months, but it's been really, really helpful. And I see a lot of a lot of really great connections. Um, so the hair mineral analysis test is HTMA. So it's 
hair trace mineral uh, analysis. Um, there's a couple of labs that I like, but I use trace elements and it's a, a mineral assessment. So we get to see a lot of minerals and minerals are really the spark plugs of the body and they help with enzyme, you know, function and, and production and, you know, all that stuff. And minerals are associated with a lot of things. Minerals help us make vitamins. So sometimes like a vitamin deficiency could be more of a mineral deficiency and vitamins and minerals impact vitamins and minerals. Um, and um, certain minerals can actually slow the thyroid down. So 80% of the time people tend to have high calcium and low potassium. So calcium actually slows the thyroid down, potassium speeds it up. So if you have an imbalance of those, that can definitely impact the thyroid as well. Um, we also, you know, minerals are needed for hormone conversion for the thyroid. So if you don't have enough iodine, if you don't have enough selenium, and selenium is one thing we actually see on that test, and I pretty much everybody I see low selenium. Um, I also see a lot of iodine. It doesn't test for iodine directly, but we can get some clues. And I definitely see iodine being an issue a lot for women as well. Um, but it also gets to look at some heavy metals. And we don't always see heavy metals pop up on the first test because the body has to be strong enough to be able to detox metals. And oftentimes it's not. So they can hide. We can store metals like as kind of a protection. Um, but when I see certain heavy metals on there, heavy metals can actually block certain minerals from properly being absorbed because heavy metals are essentially toxic minerals, you know? And so the body is going to use minerals from wherever it can get it. So if you're deficient in certain minerals, which a lot of us tend to be because we only get minerals through food and we can't make them like certain vitamins. So if you're not eating a great diet or because of just soil depletion from minerals, you know, oftentimes we tend to not get enough. And so if you don't have enough uh, minerals, the body can actually use heavy metals in place. And so now it can block, heavy metals can block certain minerals from being able to do the things that they need to do. So I see that a lot actually with iron. Um, if you have like mercury, uh, you know, which a lot of us do from fillings, from vaccines, you know, things like that, then your body can actually utilize mercury in place of iron. And then you end up with low iron or like anemia of some kind. And if you don't have enough iron in your body, that can actually trigger thyroid issues too. Um, you know, mercury can even, you know, prevent you from being able to utilize enough selenium and all that stuff that helps with thyroid. So it's been a really big, important piece because I really believe everybody has, you know, metal issues of some kind. Unfortunately, again, kind of our modern day society, they're even showing babies when they're born, they're finding metals, heavy metals in the umbilical cord. So we're starting out with it. So, you know, I think we don't want to live in a fearful world because there's not necessarily a ton we can always do about these things other than trying to decrease our exposure. But by keeping your, your minerals well balanced, that's going to help support your body's ability to detox and clear, you know, metals from your system. Hmm. And what's the difference between testing in your hair versus your urine or your blood for some of these minerals and heavy metals? Yeah. So the nice thing about the hair is that you also get the mineral part because the number one way people sometimes ask, well, what's the first thing I can do to help detox metals? The first thing you need to do before you even worry about detoxing metals is working on balancing your minerals. Because if your body's not strong enough to detox metals, you start to detox metals, you're going to feel really crappy. And going through metal detox symptoms, not a pleasant thing. So we need to make sure your body is ready first and foremost. But 
it, it can take about 30 days for metals to show up in the hair. So some people you do use in some instances urine and like stool um, to test for kind of more instant metal detoxification. So, you know, we, we may use hair initially just to kind of help balance the minerals, but sometimes, you know, we will use urine or stool test on top of hair to kind of, you know, have just more information and to what's kind of happening in more real time. So it is possible to look there as well, but. And which test would you say is most important? So if someone only had one option between a stool test, um, a hormonal analysis test or a Dutch test or hormone testing, which would be your go-to? Um, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> it's always hard to pick. It's like trying to pick your favorite child. Yes. Um, <laughs> dual test probably. Okay. Just because so many things can be impacted, the, impacting the gut. And you know, even if you work on on minerals, right? If you have gut issues that are preventing you from absorbing, you know, then sometimes that can only go so far. Um, so, I mean, I think always working on the gut first and foremost, no matter kind of what the issue is probably the way I would go. Um, the nice thing about the hair minerals that they're not usually super expensive. So sometimes that's not necessarily a huge factor for people. If you could do two, then it would probably be the stool and the hair mineral because Dutch test is like hormones are great to know. And it's kind of good to see where cortisol's at and all that, but it doesn't necessarily give you the deeper picture of like what's causing, you know, nutrient or, um, hormonal imbalances. So if you spend your money on Dutch, but you're not looking at the gut, you know, again, you could, you, you're, you may be kind of missing a big part of what's causing hormone imbalance in the first place. So mm -hmm. you kind of want to back up and start like from the beginning. Yeah. And I feel, feel like hormones are the followers. So whatever yeah. is going on in the body, your hormones are usually the last to go out of whack. They're not usually the, the ones that start off the problems. They usually as a result of poor gut health, poor thyroid health, adrenal stress, yeah, I agree with that one. And always start in the gut, whatever your symptoms is, whatever your symptoms are, always start there. For sure. And when you were saying about the heavy metals in the environment, so mercury fillings, um, vaccines, those types of things, water quality, maybe contaminated. Apart from maybe avoiding the exposures, that's number one. Always try and get out of the um, environment that you're in or filter your water, those types of things, get the amalgams removed if necessary. What are some other ways to support your detoxification to help your body kind of function a little bit better? Um, one thing that you could add would be something like a binder. Um, I typically like Pectisol C, which is from Econeugenics, and you know it can kind of help bind to certain toxins. I think that is kind of you know another help is that when you're exposed, you can try to kind of bind some of these up before they even have a chance to kind of get in the body and, and get stored and, you know, start to affect things. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I don't think we can get that brand in the UK. I like the um, GI Detox by, is it Biobotanical Bio, Research? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that one, the nice, it is nice. And I use that sometimes too. Um, but the downside of charcoal is that can actually bind to minerals. So you just don't want to use it yeah. long term or you only use it like a few times a week, you know, not necessarily every day. Okay. So you just don't want that to affect the, the minerals. So that's the nice thing about the Pectisol C. It's just a, a modified citrus pectin. And that one, they actually, that brand in particular is nice just because they do a lot of studies and testing. They have a lot of information to back up their fact that it doesn't bind to the minerals. Interesting. Yeah, that's good to know. 
So how does um, some of these things that we mentioned, so poor gut health, thyroid health, and heavy metals and minerals, how does that play into acne in particular? So this is one of the most common problems that women have or um, come to me about is the skin. So they always believe it's just hormonal related, but how can some of these other factors be um, like causing skin issues? Yeah. So, you know, there's, I think just like how you said that, you know, hormone imbalances are really a symptom of other things, right? So yeah, acne sometimes could be caused by hormones, but your hormones don't get thrown out for no reason, right? So it's again, taking a step back, looking at the big picture and looking what's causing the hormone imbalances. But, you know, your gut obviously plays a big role. Your gut helps you detox hormones, um, and if your gut is, is affected, if your liver is affected, which is really part of your digestive system and it's congested, your body's going to get rid of toxins however it can. And sometimes it can come out in the skin too, you know, and then still contribute to acne. Digestive issues can also contribute to the nutrient deficiencies and then just like the mineral deficiencies, which... Certain things like zinc sometimes have been shown to help with acne. Um, low zinc and also low sodium actually can decrease stomach acid. You need things like sodium and zinc to help make stomach acid. And so if you don't have enough stomach acid, you know, you're not breaking down food, you're not absorbing nutrients. And sometimes people with low stomach acid end up developing, you know, acne too. So, uh, you know, it's, and then the gut issues impact the thyroid and, you know, then that impacts the digestion, the digestion impacts hormones, which then impacts your skin. So mm -hmm. it's this circle. And this is again, why I see so many people focusing on one thing and end up spot treating versus, you know, the body is a complex thing. You know, I mean, we're still even learning about it. You know, we don't, I think, know exactly how every single thing works. You know, it's like they're always coming up with new things. And, you know, we have to remember that, like, you and I did tons of education to kind of learn all these complex systems. And so, you know, just a normal person on the, you know, street that, you know, didn't learn a lot of this and maybe who's just getting information from the internet is just kind of guessing, but we don't realize how big that connection is and we could be missing you know big parts of the puzzle if we're just focusing on one thing exactly and i did a talk today and they were asking me all of these questions they're like how do you keep up with it there's so much conflicts and i was saying yeah i've been trained in this this is my job and i'm still like confused about certain things i still need to do research and stay up to date with everything so like the lay the lay person really can't keep up with all of it. There's just so much conflicting advice in nutrition, caffeine, coffee's good for you one day, it's the worst thing ever the next. There's just so much. I mean, I think we also have to realize that what works for one person is gonna to be totally detrimental for someone else. So it's you know, it's not that whole one thing's gonna work for everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, so you have to figure out what works best for you and what's going on specifically with you because, you know, some people will be like, oh, well, how can I fix my gut? Well, I don't know because there's not one, <laughs> you know, one thing that everyone can do. It's going to be totally individualized to what you have going on. And, you know, just because some one person has, you know, a parasite and candida doesn't mean that the next person that has the same digestive symptoms has a parasite and candida. They could have totally different infections. And, you know, so that's why you really have to look to see what's going on with you specifically. Yeah. And there's a lot of people 
um, with symptoms like sugar cravings, maybe um, bloating, and they automatically think it must be candida. Like candida is my problem. I need to go on this anti-candida diet, take all of these herbs. And a lot of them actually feel worse in the long run because it actually might not have been candida. It could have been a parasite. And a lot of gut infections share similar symptoms, but have different protocols for treatment. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, even certain minerals can cause out of balance can cause us to have more sugar. Mm, yes, you know? true. So it's because certain minerals help us make or inhibit insulin. Mm. So, you know, it's, there's a lot to think about and people will say, oh, this is so overwhelming. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. That's why you need to work with someone who can help you go in the right steps. You know, that's why we're, we're here to kind of help ease somebody and then you don't have to do all the worrying and you don't have to do all the research, you know, working with someone who's really good and really trained in these types of areas and who is keeping up on the new and, you know, latest and greatest things. Um, Cause then, you know, sometimes people say, well, who do I go to for this? You know? And it's like, well, I can't necessarily tell you because not everyone's going to do the same things either. So you really want to, honestly, the research you should be doing is the person that is going to be the best fit for you to work with. I mean, that's probably like the best, uh, you know, research that you can try to do. That's true. And how do you advise people to find good advice online? So there's a lot of health bloggers who actually aren't qualified or personal trainers who are giving advice how do people weed out the qualified and trained people to listen to other than the people who are maybe just selling something or aren't really knowledgeable yeah that's always a good question that's like the million dollar question you know i mean i think definitely looking into just kind of what they've been through looking at their education you know, I mean, just because somebody has good education too, also doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be the greatest either. But um, I think really the person that you work with should be able to offer you at least some sort of free call or something, you know, no matter how long it is to talk to them. And, you know, I think if you can kind of feel them out, if, if what they're saying makes sense to you and you're like, yeah, this is what, this sounds like exactly what I need you know, and you can kind of, cause I like to sit down with people and offer these free calls before we even work together, because I want to know where you're at. I want to know where you want to go, like what your goals are. I want to know what you've done already, like what's worked, what hasn't worked. What have you liked and enjoyed? Like, what are you looking for? What kind of support are you looking for? What have been your roadblocks you think of, you know, getting somewhere and, you know, coming up with a plan of like where they want to, of how to get there, like how to achieve the results. And so I will kind of tell you like, okay, this is what we're going to do. These are the tasks we're going to run. This is the information that we're going to find out and somewhat give them a plan. I mean, it's going to change, you know, based on as we start getting into it, but to really give that information and, you know, you want to feel comfortable with somebody um you know hopefully they have at least something up on like a website where they've got like testimonials you know or something that you can kind of see where you know what other people have said you know that kind of thing but i mean i think some of us just have we have to kind of go with our gut instinct in those types of instances and just kind of feel like we can work with someone that we really jive with and that you know what they're saying makes sense they should be able to kind of give you a plan of how they get to the root cause. Mm. You know? And if someone says like, oh, well, we're just going to start with like a blood hormone test, even though you have digestive symptoms, like maybe red flag, <laughs> like, hey, why are you not looking in the gut? You know, kind of thing, um, you know, could be part of it as well. Yeah. And I think both of our goal is to get people better. We don't want to keep seeing them for years and years and years. We want to teach them how to take care of the body. We want to help them feel better. 
and kind of get on with their life. That's the goal ultimately. So we want to be working with them for the shortest amount of time possible. I think people, yeah, forget that. And if someone is, if you're going to someone and all they're doing is recommending like a hundred supplements, not talking about diet, lifestyle, like all that stuff, that's also a big red flag. Mm -hmm. True. So I want to let people get to know you a little bit better. So I want to finish up with just a few questions about you personally. So the first one is what's your favorite herb, nutrient or supplement that you can't live without? Um, I would probably say magnesium. I think magnesium, like I, I, I'm not a fan of multivitamins. You know, I just don't think they're specific enough, but there's rarely kind of like supplements that I think everyone can benefit for, but magnesium tends to be one of those Mm -hmm. that really everyone should probably be taking. I mean, it's good for your bones and your teeth. It's good for blood pressure. It's good for stress. It's good for blood sugar. It's good for your hormones. It can help, you know, with relaxation and calming and even support, you know, the digestion a little bit when you're more constipated. Um, That one tends to be one that probably just about every one of my clients end up taking. Yeah, we're all just so depleted because of stress. Stress depletes magnesium and soil quality. Um, food is not rich in magnesium anymore. So I agree. Magnesium is one of the outliers that we can safely recommend to most people. And if you don't want to supplement, Epsom salt baths are a, go- a good alternative as well. Yeah, for sure. What's something that you're into lately? So this can be health and nutrition related. It can be completely random. <laughs> um... I know. I was thinking about this. I mean, the hair mineral tests, I've been really into those lately. Um, but honestly, journaling. Um, I was always like trying, I try, I spent so long trying to meditate and I just wasn't a very good meditator, but then I started picking up journaling and doing that every morning, even if it's just for a few minutes. And I've really actually found it to be one of the more helpful things for me, just kind of in the mindset. And that's kind of one thing that I finally really have been able to kind of make part of my, my daily routine and, and, kind of can't live without it now some people you tell them to meditate but if it's going to stress them out that's not a good stress relieving practice is it so yeah find whatever you enjoy and i agree journaling is really good are there any questions that you ask yourself or prompts or do you just kind of let yourself free write whatever you feel like kind of free but you know i kind of try to put the things that i'm grateful for i try to put like maybe like you know, what do I want out of my future? Like almost like trying to manifest certain things, like what I want to look like, what I want to be like, you know, what I want to feel like, you know, all that kind of thing. Um, you know, instead of kind of, you know, dwelling on a lot of the negative things, trying to kind of look at every, you know, positive thing that I've got going on. And if there's something that is kind of bothering me or stressing me out, like I try to kind of, how can I put a positive twist on it? Yeah, that's just important for everyone to start to get into the habit of. And at first it is difficult to, especially if you're in a a negative situation or um, a stressful event, trying to see the bright side of things. It sounds cheesy, but it really does work. And gratitude has been shown to reduce cortisol levels, improve your serotonin and well-being. So yeah, it's worth a try for everyone to even mentally just list three to five things at the beginning of the day or at the end of the day and that has a massive impact on your health sometimes more than even supplements what's one book that has changed your life um i don't know you know i don't know if i've had a book that has really changed my life maybe you have a good recommendation for me there because i'm like i find that i read a lot of just like nutrition related yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I think if 
about this the other day. I'm like, I think I need to just read a book for fun. <laughs> like, yeah. I think I need to like, you know, do, you know, read something that is outside of that. Um, so, hey, I'm looking for recommendations hmm. there. Yeah, I'm into like the personal development books. Yeah. Uh, so a good one is Four Agreements. So okay. I recommend that one if you haven't read that. That's my favorite one. Okay, yep. yeah. Awesome. And then anything, Brene Brown, um, love her work. And her Netflix documentary, that's a must-see if you haven't seen that already. The Power of Vulnerability. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and then the final question is, where can people find you online? I'm sure they want to connect with you and find you on social media. So just go through your website and your Instagram account, all of that. Yeah, so my website is theorganicdietitian.com. And so it's, I always say dietitian because some people spell it with the C, but it's D-I-E-T-I-T-I-A-N. I spell it with the T. Um, and then my Instagram, that's kind of where I spend most of my time, is also The Organic Dietitian. And even Facebook, it's The Organic Dietitian. So that's typically where you can find me. Mm -hmm. And you're all about education, which I love. I've been really loving your gut organ connection so they've got the brain they've got the heart very fascinating even i learned things from you as well you've inspired me to look into the um her mineral analysis as well so I'm excited to dive into that a little bit deeper and find how that can help my practice as well thank you so much sarah for your time i've loved this i love chatting with you and connecting um, i know we've spoken a bit over instagram but it's always nice to see you face to face even though we're not in person right now but yeah i appreciate the time and thank you for joining us on the podcast yes thank you vivian thank you for listening to another episode of the hormones in harmony podcast if you like this episode please leave me a rating and review as this helps to spread the word to other women dealing with hormone imbalances as a massive thank you gift i'll send you a free guide six steps to hormonal harmony all you need to do is screenshot your rating and review then email it to me at hormonesinharmony at gmail.com and I'll send you the link to download this free guide. If you haven't already, check out my website vivanaturalhealth.co.uk and Instagram page at vivanaturalhealth for tons more free content and inspiration. You can also schedule a free 30-minute hormone troubleshooting call to find out the next steps to take in order to overcome your symptoms naturally. See you back here next week for another episode.